Hey everyone, Paul here from the Real Estate Playbook. Just wanted to record a quick clip to say what's up. Uh, this is episode number 10, which is a milestone in my book. Um, we wanted to say thank you to everyone who's been listening and watching so far. We've been having a lot of fun with it. Joe and I have been kicking around the idea of a podcast for a long time, so it's been great to see it come to fruition and see a lot of people enjoying it. Um, not only to the people that listen and watch, but also everyone who's been a guest so far. You guys have been awesome. Uh, we hope to keep doing this for quite some time. Um, there are some new things in the works, some exciting things. We got some great guests coming up and um, some changes coming as far as production goes. So keep an eye slash ear out for that. Um, you can actually reach us now on our website at therealestateplaybook.com. That's going to have uh, the most recent video as well as the most recent Spotify link uh, to the newest episodes. There's also a form there. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, you can fill that out and we'd love to have you on. Um, let's see what else. Make sure that if you are enjoying and listening that you're keeping up with us on social media. It's going to be at The Real Estate Playbook on Instagram and Facebook. And do be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, and if you could as well, uh, give us a listen over on Spotify. You can listen to those episodes on the go versus having to sit down and watch them on YouTube. And um, I think that's pretty much it. So again, thanks to everyone who's listened, watched, been on the show. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're subscribing, etc. And um, stay tuned for the rest of the episode. Joe has a great interview with Dustin Oldfather. And um, I'll see you guys next time. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Playbook. This week's guest is none other than Dustin Oldfather with the Oldfather Group and with Compass Real Estate. How are you doing today, Dustin? Doing good, brother. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, a, it's an honor to be uh, invited on uh, by somebody with your business acumen and someone who's had so much success in the industry. And uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate you as a person, as a man, and as a business owner. I have so much respect for you and just really grateful to be here. Yeah, likewise, man. I think, uh, you know, I wouldn't be in this spot. It wasn't for you and all those mastermind sessions we did back in the day with you, Jay Pitts, and many others. So, you know, it's coming full circle. All the growth you've had and success in recent years and all the all those things that we talked about really coming come to fruition and take place. Well, it's interesting you say that because right now uh, we are finally living into those conversations we had, what, maybe five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, when you asked the better question, which is how do you, not how do you 10X your business, but how do you 10X your income? And, you know, we've looked at that and with all the commission compression, looking at the ancillaries, you know, we're about to launch title after having mortgage and insurance and, and marketing. And uh, all that came together and that new way of thinking was, you know, directly attributable to you. So thank you for that. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. And, you know, it's great to, you know, share, you know, like-minded ideas and people kind of think the same and, and then not only, you know, think the ideas sound good, but then go ahead and put that into practice and, and start to make those dreams become a reality. So it took great. a lot longer than we thought it was, right? <laughs> hey, but at least we did it, right? Because there's a lot of people who didn't. So. They're still doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's still a work in progress. That's for sure. So, Dustin, why don't, for the people not too familiar with yourself or your background or your group, why don't you tell us a little about yourself, your journey, and how you got pretty much got to where you are today? Oh, thanks for that, uh, uh, Joseph. Um, you know, we started in uh, 2005. Uh, I was uh, at school at, at the University of Maryland. I'd gotten out of the Navy. I was in the nuclear power program and um, went back to school, was working on the genetics of on a genetics curriculum and thought it was going to be in molecular biology at the time, you know, look, seemed a little uh, far out, but it looks like that industry has really come around. Um, but I met my wife out here at the beach and um, saying goodbye to a, a friend who had, who had passed early in life 
um, who I'd gotten to be close with after we got out of the Navy, uh, coincidentally a Navy friend. Um, but, uh, but after that, we decided to, to build our lives out here on the coast. I uh, didn't quite get back to finishing school. It was kind of a, a big leap after we had, had committed to spending some time together. And, um, you know, so we were working in restaurants and bars and decided, you know, we saw other people, uh, you know, 2004, 2005, they were making crazy money. And we're like, man, I think we could do that. <laughs> you know, I think we could at least be, you know, okay at it. Um, and so we both started individually. We, we ran our businesses separate initially because we weren't sure how that was going to work for our relationship. And then we realized how, you know, that was, you know, how stupid that was because we were, you know, had redundant expenses. Mm -hmm. um, we came together and then, um, you know, uh, we started our, our careers. I started uh, chopping wood on expired and withdrawn listings that really helped me to, to, to launch my career and to take listings and to grow. And then Maria started to uh, work for a builder um, as we kind of headed into a good, uh, into a good um, segment of the market. And then, you know, 2008, everything really just turned into tumbleweeds. And that's when we, um, we opened the door or, or willing to open the door on working with the, uh, the digital consumer. And so at the time I was looking at iHomeFinder and then Tiger Leads came out. Shortly thereafter, Boomtown came out for us. It was Tiger Leads, which is just an amazing platform. We were kind of first to market on PPC for our area. Um, you know, a lot of things we would do differently going back, but that led us to this, um, to being uh, ahead of the curve for, for our industry and working with people online. And, you know, which is, you know, we're now seeing is how people want to operate for the most part. You've got virtual showings and virtual tours. Um, we've uh, built our team. Right now we have about 40 agents and, and counting. And, um, you know, we've built our team on high service and a, a big infrastructure between marketing, um, listing coordination, our client success team takes care of the contract to closing. So really focusing on an end-to-end -end, um, seamless transaction for the consumer, um, you know, with as much digital uh, convenience as we possibly can. Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I think that's where the race is headed right now is who can get there the quickest, right? Yeah, uh, who can yeah who who can give that that service experience on you know consistently because the we're we're in an on demand economy right absolutely an on demand experience economy it, you know you you press a button and something happens and people you know they click they want to talk to they want to talk to somebody they want to schedule a showing and that's around the clock and it's a it's a it's a big ask for our industry you know it's it's hard on it's hard on everybody because it is a it doesn't every day of the week is, you know, it's relentless every single day. There's the expectation that you got to serve, you know, and that's part of the, the, you know, the glory of it. And it's also part of what makes it so hard. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I always say to the agents too, you know, it's our job. And you know, the, I think the brokerages that, that come out of this as we handle this transition and everything's changing so rapidly are the ones who strive to meet the demands of what I sometimes consider unrealistic expectations of the consumer. You know, it's going to get to the point where people are in front of the house and they want you to open the door. But obviously there's a lot more going to it than just us getting in front of the property and popping a lockbox. You got to get confirmation, uh, confirm with the, the um, listing agent. If you don't own the property, your brokerage isn't listing it. Or uh, if the seller has something going, they need to vacate the house. And I think it's just, you know, that, that drive and passion of how can we best meet those demands as possible? Because I feel like the ones who do will be the ones who come out of this very fruitful and you know, winning in today's market. So as far as, you know, when you speak on the real estate market and how it is now, and obviously it is changing, what are some things that you've re recently done to pivot and move and kind of heading your um, company or team into the direction it's headed now? 
Thank you for, for that question. You know, I think where we've really focused over the past few years is developing our, our call center. We call them our client concierges and really refining that. What we're finding is that, you know, we obviously we want consumers to talk to a, a licensed agent every time we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Your agents are in the, and they're working with five or six or, or more active clients. You can't handle too many more the uh, the demands for for being available for direct you know light inquiries is hard and so we found that our our, our concierge team is doing an excellent job of of meeting the needs of the consumer so that we can have that you know on demand experience and cover all of the time that needs to be covered for you know for people that want to have a conversation so we can get all of those things coordinated that's been a, a really big shift for us um, I think obviously with the pandemic everybody's working more remotely so. You know, I'll remember those first few Zoom meetings, and I just after the first one, I wanted to take a nap. I was so exhausted. Um, and later on, there were the you know, then there's a, some phenomena like, oh, it's a Zoom fatigue. Uh, but learning how to interact with a screen with you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 people, and then none of them talking, and then where you might get a chuckle or a you know, or a, you know, or, or some engagement, it's just nothing but silence. Um, and, and you got about 30 of those 50 screens that are blacked, right? Just blacked out. Right, and and nobody's you can, there. <laughs> you got the cat butt walking across the front. You can see somebody's, you know, uh, somebody's dogs behind him. They're telling him to shut up. Um, but, you know, I kind of, we leaned into that, you know, and I know you, you have a sense of humor and have just a great emotional intelligence. Um, but I was like, yeah, let's, you know, introduce us to your cat. Let's meet your puppy. Like, Hey, who is that? Your, is that your two-year-old? What's your, you know, let, like, let's, let's have fun with it. You know, let's not like have everyone be terrified that somebody's going to, that there's going to be some noise in the background, you know, we just figured it out. And I think that was those, those shifts were the, were the most important, which is how do we, how do we continue to, to create the relationships for the agents without having to handle all the volume of calls that maybe not quite ready to talk to somebody and, um, and uh, just continuing to, um, you know, to, 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 to train and to get better. Yeah, I completely agree. And we've built out something similar. You call it concierge that we call major partners. And it's just being around the clock, you know, they're working eight to eight, seven uh, days a week answering calls, uh, you know, voicemails, you know, that we get overnight, emails, texts, all that good stuff. And that way, when somebody does go on a website or somebody does inquire with our brokerage, they get an immediate response. And once they become what I call them as hand raisers, they're ready to go in the field, start looking at properties, or they're ready to speak to an agent about listing the property. Then we'll kind of transition them over to an agent at that time. But we have those agent partners really handling the nurture of the clientele, making sure that all their demands are met throughout this process. Because I just think as much as real estate is evolving and then obviously tech's coming into play at a high level, um, you know, a lot of people want answers right away or they're going to move on to other brokerages if you can't get back to them quick enough. So I think it's really important to kind of build that out. And I see a lot of organizations who are really starting to do big things have seemed to transition uh, to that model. Are you starting to see that across the board too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, it's interesting. We were just at, a, at an event and the statistic that was shared was that of the of the realtor community in uh, on a national basis, 2% of, of those uh, of all the realtors are our teams are on teams do 10% of the transactions and 20% of the volume. Right. So the, the service model has, has really uh, borne out to be true, which is how can you give that better service experience? You know, I, I can't imagine being an individual agent. I know there's some great individual agents who have sphere of influence um, and, you know, and that's a, a great niche. Um, it's just a, uh, it, it's a, it's a, it is a 24 hour, you know, 24 seven 
uh, commitment, you know, as a business owner to make sure that they're getting taken care of. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think a lot of the agents who are starting out, like we have a lot of who will join us because they try to do it on their own. It's just overwhelming for them. One, they didn't know how difficult it's going to be to find the business, but then two, trying to learn your craft and then kind of be the jack of all trades and do everything. And just like your organization and a lot of the stuff that you've built out, you know, we fortunately had privy to and that helped us build out what we have here now, um, you know, where you have the transaction coordinators, listing coordinators, and you really start to compartmentalize all those different divisions where you start to put specialism placed and to make sure that all those consumer demands are met. And I just heard a recent estimate that, you know, for somebody who's starting a team and that's, you know, it's exciting. And hey, you know, some it was interesting to be at, at the most recent event. I saw some teams that started well after us and have really uh, had have grown a lot faster than we did in the beginning with all of the knowledge that's out there. But um, if you're starting a team, you know, when you look at the startup cost, when you look at the lead gen, when you look at, um, you know, staffing, you're looking at about $250,000 at a minimum to get off the ground. So the idea of starting a team, you know, it's, you know, you and I have been, you know, investing in our businesses for a long time. It, it takes a lot of time to get mm -hmm. the right people, to get uh, the organization moving in the right direction and, and to create the culture where everything happens the way that it's supposed to. Um, and, the, uh, the, you know, my, my hat's off to people that are, that are starting teams right now. I think the, uh, with the way their market is right now, that it's a cleaner play to be a part of a team. And, um, you know, rather than to try to swim uphill because, uh, you know, that, that, that train has left the station. Yeah, I agree. And the way that it's going and, and, and such an aggressive pace, a lot of the opportunities are only given to established teams. So it's really hard to, to gain some traction if you're not even going to have the opportunities to gain the resources that you need to be successful. So I definitely see that. And speaking kind of you and your organization, Dustin, I know, obviously, you know, knowing you for the years and so many times that we've. Uh, you know, spoke or had masterminds and kind of shared ideas. I know that you have a ton of strengths, but what would be the one strength if you, if somebody was to think of yourself or the old father group, what's the one thing you think that is the bif the biggest uh, differentiator between you and the competition in the marketplace when it comes to selling real estate? I love that question. Um, and I'm going to answer it with humility, but I, I believe it for us, it was a commitment to excellence. Mm -hmm. um, and that sounds so business cliche and corny. Um, but when we started, I just, I wanted to do everything the right way. And it's how we've always, always organized our business around how do we do it better? How do we improve the experience? And, um, you know, and then when we, you know, we fall down, how do we, how do we avoid having that happen again? And uh, from the very beginning, I committed to, hey, I was going to be a great lister. I didn't go on any, like I went, I sold four properties the first year I was in business and spent all the money I had and was, you know, was broke. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> I was really good at the listing presentation after the year, you know, and I was, I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to be great at expireds. And uh, so I picked a niche, I picked a lane, I stayed in and I got really good at, at those things. And then um, over time, you know, to shifting into different skills, you know, uh, into business leadership, I don't, you know, produce anymore. Um, but each time we've uh, we've had a new endeavor, you know, I, I I'm very clear about the things that, that we want to prioritize. Um, there's a million things you want to do as a business owner. You can't do them all at the same time. Um, and then you know, just mastering those skills. You know, I think talent, a talent acquisition, really starting to understand how to bring the right people into the right place in an organization is. Um, I mean, it's a it, it takes some experience. Um, but it's something that we're committed to and grow in our organization. And so 
uh, that commitment, you know, commit being committed to doing it a certain way. And, and maybe just to, you know, to, to unpack it a little bit, other people don't have to do it the same way. You know, there are tons of people who have very, who have very different cultural organizations. Um, you know, there are, uh, the, what's the number, 16 different types of leadership that, that have been kind of catalog, cataloged. And so if you're a leader and you're a, you are a person who wants to have a team, then just do you. Don't try to be other people. You know, that was, that was my path. That was, that was what worked for me. That, that gave me purpose and meaning to try to keep refining and doing things better and learning and learning, you know. But if you're just, you know, one of those really dynamic people that, you know, that everybody wants to follow, then go out there and lead. Um, so I don't think there's a wrong way to do it, but that's how we did it. Yeah. And I think you're one of the things too, uh, you know, great attributes, very authentic, you know, when I think a lot of people were, you know, just chasing what everybody else was doing, or you need to do this because everyone else is or the path. But if it wasn't in your wheelhouse or something that you felt strong about, you're like, nah, uh, you know, we're probably going to pass on that. And I think that's something that I think we that's why we're friends. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just like, yeah. Follow the herd. And just doing what everybody else did. And, uh, you know, and that kind of, I think, goes along with your commitment to excellence and always wanted to be as best you can. So when something didn't align with your value that, you know, you might have not been interested in it. Yeah, you, you have to you have to stay stay in your lane as far as being self-aware and knowing who you are and, you know, what you're good at and, and what makes you happy. You know, you start you know going down paths for things that don't match with with what you're you're good at or what you like to do. Um, some of that stuff's necessary, but you, you know you, you got to have fun. And just like Steve Jobs says, you, you have to have passion because otherwise you just never make it. You have to love getting up every day to do it and to explore, you know, that part of the business. Um, you know, otherwise it's just a drag. You never you'll never make it through. Yeah, absolutely. And then we're gonna be a little. Uh vulnerable here. And I hate to use the word deficiency because it's such a negative connotation. But as far as what is the one gap you see in your business right now that you're looking to fill with, you know, that intensity, like if you were to say the one thing you're focused on right now, because you see a need to take your organization to the next level, what is that, Dustin? Yeah. And this is, you know, the, the dilemma for everyone in the, in the marketplace right now is it's talent. It's finding great people um, and getting them integrated into your culture. And I think for years, um, while I knew the lesson, I think we really under allocated uh, resources um, as a company into talent acquisition, into recruiting new agents, into, you know, finding great people to join the company. We always had done it organically. And now we got to a size of growth. And I'm, and I'm sure that you can relate as well that organizationally, it, there's a shift that happens. It's no longer, you know, you and you know, me and three people in a, you know, in a, in a closet you know, try, saying we're a team and then you got those you know, 60, 75 people working together. It's the dynamics of the organization change, the structure changes. Um, and so finding great people is really is, is, is the number one thing. Um, we've uh, doubled down and made a commitment to, to, to our hiring practices. We're about to launch a real estate school um, and uh, have two dedicated, you know, uh, folks who are uh, in the recruiting roles, um, you know, just to, to open the door to say, hey, you know, maybe you'd, maybe you'd come over and, uh, and start your career over here, uh, you know, or maybe you you're, didn't, things didn't go where, right where you're at. This is, you know, hey, that's a great company, but we're different, you know, and we all love each other. We all get along. Everybody's got more business than they know what to do with. Um, and if you like what, we, you know, what we're all about, then, then come on over. And so, uh, that's a place where I just, I look back and like, man, I, I, it's a, it's a difficult hire, you know, it's a difficult to find, you know, these high level positions in, in any company. 
um, but I think we got the right people and we're seeing uh, the organization grow because of it. Awesome, man. Awesome. And, and I know, you know, one of the things that I strongly value about you is how quick you can pivot and move off an idea that you thought might work. Like you're very true to yourself. If you see something not going the right way that you thought might've worked, you're not going to, what I say, call it, use stubborn pride or ego and keep it going. You're quick to say, Hey, I made a mistake. Let's shift. It's not working. Let's find out what does because you're so passionate about success and you constantly are, or we both are, have failed forward in so many different aspects of our life. And it's learning from those mistakes. And my question would be, if you were to speak to a younger version of yourself starting off, I know there's a ton of things you would have done different as you alluded to earlier, but what's the one main thing you would have done different? I'll tell you, the, the, the biggest needle mover in my life was when I, I got exposed to Darren Hardy and he talked about jam sessions. And this is going to sound really corny, but it's basically just a you know, 60 or 90 minute block of completely undivided attention on your projects. Um, when I, I, when I first started with those projects in the morning, I could go 30 minutes. I didn't realize how much my attention had really dwindled, um, you know, be, you know, between social media and just not sitting down to, to focus. I mean, it, I certainly somebody who read, but to really sit down and hammer on a project. Um, and I noticed it just recently. So we went going through the transition with Compass. I'd kind of gotten off my rhythms a little bit and just got back to it. And so first thing in the morning, work on your business. Um, and uh, it sounds a little um, like over the top, but that's the first thing I do every day. I wake up, I focus on a project for about an hour. I go get my workout in. And that hour, the golden hour, your mind is not cluttered up with, you know, the random text or the, the crisis of the moment. And there's, you know, we all have, have things that come up. You know, what's going on? I got to pick up kids, like schedule, schedule, schedule. That early morning, there's no stress. And all of that devoted time, you know, to the business has is, is just compounded. And if I had, I wish that I had started that sooner uh, because it's the, it's the, it's the, the fastest way uh, to, to get forward in the, um, in, in the growth of the company. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. I completely agree with all of that. And then, you know, it is hard. Like I find myself, you know, it is a lot more difficult than you would think, but just trying to stay there and be laser focused without wanting to go check something or do something and just kind of get fidgety because you're so used to everything fast moving that immediate gratification where trying to kind of reverse engineer that and go back to what it was kind of before all this tech is I think a lot more difficult than people might think if they have yet to try it. But I do say, you know, having kids, family, work, you know, a lot of agents, um, a lot of you know, key personnel here that works with us and always things coming up that that early morning really not only allowed me to focus on those projects, but bring clarity to them because my mind was fresh. I wasn't distracted. And then I could knock out my personal work. I think in an hour or two hours before anybody woke up in my household, you know, I'm knocking out half a day's work. And then I have the attention span and the time to then deal with all the needs that my organization or my family might need. So I think that is critical. And you know, something I think that is, you know, a huge attribute to both of our successes and kind of dedicating that time. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if all you do is get that done and you know, you, you've had a good day, Yeah. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. but if that's hanging on you till, till, you know, to try to try to hammer it out at four o'clock, you know, it's like the phone gets heavier as the day goes on. It's those projects get heavy by the yeah. end. Of the day. <laughs> uh, especially around put, five or six, especially in real estate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. So I know you spoke a little earlier 
about kind of where your career path was headed before you got into real estate. And I don't know if it would be the same career path you would have chosen if not for real estate. But one thing we always like to ask the audience, if you weren't selling real estate right now, based on where you're at with your life journey, what do you think you'd be doing? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was, uh, my mom was, when I was younger, would call me an entrepreneur, but back then it wasn't a compliment. <laughs> Basically said you couldn't figure out what you wanted to do. Or you sucked in school, right? <laughs> I was okay in school. Call me the man of infinite possibilities. So I wanted to do everything. I wanted to do whatever it was. I wanted to do it. And she's like, just pick one thing. And I was like, no, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but you're not doing, you're not doing that now. Like how many businesses you're vested in? You know, the path I was on was uh, molecular biology. I, I thought it was going to go into uh, pharmaceutical sales. Um, I, I had aspirations to be, uh, in medicine and just ran out of gas. I, I ran into actually organic chem too, um, which I passed by the hair on my chinny chin chin. But, uh, <laughs> I, at that point was not going to be going to medical school unless I was going in another country. So, um, uh, I pivoted a little bit, you talk about pivoting and I loved the genetics and molecular bio. And I thought, Hey, you know, that seems like a good industry and be a place that could make some money. Um, I, uh, I probably would have ended up in, in medical sales. Nice. Yeah. I could see yourself like always sales and then eventually working yourself in leadership, no matter what it was, just always finding solutions to problems and then leading people with your passion to kind of, you know, stay purposeful to those core values of the organization and to kind of fulfill those, uh, problems with solutions that the organization might have, whether it's, you know, pharmaceuticals and getting them in the hands of the patients that need them. So, well, we bet. When you uh, when you think back when you started in real estate, did you were you? I was terrified to be ten ninety nine. The idea of being self employed, like you know, uh, I, I never we never had much in our family. So the idea that then you would go to having nothing, you know, sometimes was was even scarier. Um, I, I look at that and go, you know, it it was kind of a miracle that we made it through um, becoming you know self reliant. Oh, absolutely, and there's so many things that. You have to do one one you don't have the plan b and you just make it work but there's so many times where doubt crept in and i'm like what am i doing but i think back then you got to kind of harness it but i think there is a good such thing as like positive defiance like just i was never a good employee like i you know was always kind of wanting to do my own thing or see what i could create and things of that nature that's always where my passion lied so I, we had a mortgage company went belly up like 08 or 09 era and then from 9 to 11 before i really got real estate going i was taking all different jobs just to put food on the table. Wife was a homemaker at that time. And we had four young kids, so it didn't really make much sense for be, her to be in the workforce for where the economy was. But it's just, you know, I, I think the one thing was just the passion of doing something on my own and seeing what I could build and create where, yeah, I wanted to provide uh, a living and, and, you know, try to get all the nice things and have a certain lifestyle. But I think the main thing was just trying to create something and then honestly, just kind of in the back of my mind is not having to go back to work for someone. So I think that's what kind of lit the fire under my butt. I don't know, you know, what it was for you. Right. And then you, you think, well, what, you know, and so you ask that question, right? Like, oh, what, what, what would you do now? Like, I can't imagine doing any other job. No, no <laughs> not know? at all. You're like, once you get into real estate, it's, <laughs> there's nothing quite like it. You're like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's like your own, your, your own little bubble. You forget what, what's happening outside of it. Yeah. And, and for you, Joe, I mean, why don't you just, you know, unpack for everybody listening where you started and where you're at right now and, and what you've been through. Yeah. So, you know, in 08, we had a mortgage company, graduated college, 04, went into mortgages, did really well first couple of years. Um, and then started on company 06, was doing well 06, 07, got licensed in 06, but wasn't really 
practicing real estate, just was looking to double dip on a couple transactions. 08 came, hit me, hit us with a ton of bricks. Um, you know, I got into mortgages right out of college. I'm like, hey, you know, make it an income and, and provide it for family. This thing ain't as hard as people made it out to be, right? Not knowing it was just the times. And then 08 really came through, really humbled me. And, uh, you know, looking back, I'm glad I went through that because it positioned myself a lot better now, kind of going through all those trials and tribulations and all the life lessons that it taught me. And then just, you know, always staying upbeat and positive, you know, trying to figure out what I was going to do during that time and taking different jobs to provide the income. And then when our youngest went to kindergarten, my wife, who we both had hospitality experience, I always thought she would do great in real estate. Um, we both spoke to her getting licensed. At that time, I'm running an all-state agency, um, just pretty much paying the bills. And she started to get some momentum. A buddy of mine called me, and this is 2011, Dustin. He calls me telling me about these things that his brokerage is starting to excel at, something called Zillow leads. And if people know the price we were paying then and the ROI, it was insane. I mean, we were getting like probably like 20x ROI back then because the cost was so affordable. And we started to do well. So I was working my job. I'd start building systems and everything at night. She was out producing in the field, but really it was for Rose's kind of sales and bringing in that revenue that allowed me to then jump uh, out of the job that I had, kind of start working on a full time with her. You know, we were a husband and wife team from, if I jumped in in 12, probably to about 15 when we brought on the first agent and the rest is history. So yeah, here well, we are now. What is kind of the history? Because I don't think everybody knows. So you, you started 2015, you started your team and what does it look like now? So right now, I think we just onboarded agent number 72. So we have 72 agents. Um, we have a hybrid brokerage, both, both have a leads division um, and independent agent. So I feel we have a model for any agent out there, depending on what they're looking to accomplish in their business and it provides a great platform um, for agents who are either a new to the business or b want a better compensation package, but are a little bit more self-sufficient and have their own book and, you know, provide building everything out, the resources. Um, one of the things I always say, you know, on different podcasts or uh, throughout the organization, I go, you know, one of the main things I can say when you are um, interviewing or trying to find the right fit for a brokerage or team where you want to go work is one of the things I always found very important is to learn from a practitioner over a theorist. Like you can read books and you can see a step one, step two, step three, but there's 10 steps in between one and two. And to really kind of be led by somebody who has been in the trenches, who knows what you're going through can really help because they have the intuition just because they have the experience. So I think a lot of brokerages are led or teams even where agents haven't had that much production. Sometimes not at all. They came from different organizations, what might be, and don't really know the struggle of the agent. So I think that's one thing that helped me and Rose kind of build what we have now is just being agent centric and building it and building it around them just based on everything we knew that we needed um, at the time, starting off as a husband and wife team. Love it. It's amazing, man. Congratulations. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. It's also a great testimony to what can be done because think about, just think about how different things were from where you guys started to where they are now. I mean, it, it's really, really extraordinary what you guys have been able to achieve. Yeah. One, I was asked a question. Somebody was interviewing me. Uh, I forget who it was, but it asked was, um, how did you get where you are now? Like what, where, how did you and Rose build what you have? How did you kind of get to this plateau where was this always the vision and things like that. I'm like, no, when we started, I, you know, I was just doing simple math. I'm like, if we can get a $10 million producing husband and wife team at 3%, that's a good living. You know, I didn't know the costs and everything that was going to come into it. Mm -hmm. And then we started to hit it. And then just other things evolved. It wasn't like this was always, 
you know, in the works. Um, a lot of it happened just because like kind of what you were alluding to earlier is finding the right people and really building the right culture, because obviously we wouldn't be able to accomplish anything without the people that we have working with us. And we look at everybody um, as a partner with us and not somebody who works under us. Love and that. Just kind of having that mindset and, you know, going and evolving and like, you know, we got some pretty lucrative contracts and everybody's like, oh, it must be easier, must be nice. But what they don't see, right? And I'm sure you went through the same thing. So how many contracts must did you be not nice. get? How the, many contracts did you One of the lousiest statements. Oh, it must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> really how nice it is. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But all the, all the ones that you lost and all the times that you failed to kind of build you up for those opportunities to allow you to enjoy the sex, sex that you have built. And then, you know, just be passionate. Um, you know, one thing is we're very passionate about the success of all the agents and all our key personnel. We want them to be able to accomplish all their goals as we were able to. And, you know, we strive to allow them to do that, as I know you and Maria do, too, with all of your ventures. Yeah. Well, and how are you doing that now? How, how are you helping develop agents? Because I know that's something that you have a, a strength for and to, do, to grow, you know, help 72 people to be out there selling properties. It's not happening by accident. And that's uh, exceptional. So probably be good to just, you know, how do you guys do it? How do you get somebody, you know, from zero to writing contracts and it, I mean, it's gonna, it sounds so cliche. I mean, uh, Rose built out some great systems and process. She's definitely more of going deeper dive if you're building out protocols or like, um, you know, any guidelines or anything like that. Like she's really good at kind of diving deep and making sure that no steps are missed and was always kind of evolving on that. And I think it's just, you know, starting off like four of our team members are what we call group leaders now, which are pretty much mentors. Um, so five of our original team members, four still with the brokerage, two are independent, two are um, on what we call a leads division, and two on leads divisions are now group leaders. So I think it's developing the right people who kind of believe in the values and believe in the culture of the organization, and then slowly kind of work with you hand in hand when you're a smaller, intimate group, and now you're able to go a lot wider. So we wouldn't be able to do anything. I wouldn't be able to do anything without, you know, all the people working with us. Rose wouldn't be able to do anything without all the people we have working with us. And I think it's just kind of getting that buy-in, right? If I was to say the one thing, I think it kind of touched on what you were saying is getting that buy-in, getting where everybody's aligned. They believe in the mission at hand. They believe in the service, you know, delivering excellence to the marketplace. And then just they're passionate about delivering that. And then, you know, you just have people kind of helping you along the way where it's not just coming from you and it's just, I think the personnel development, right, is is not only leading everybody within the organization with my wife, but also creating leaders with the organization where, you know, we're hoping one day here soon it flourishes without us because we have such great leaders running it. And it's amazing to hear you say that because you have to, while you're an extraordinary leader, you also don't have so much ego that you have to always be in front. And I think that's important for people to know that as yeah. a leader, a leader, you're, you know, you're leading... <laughs> It always is you're out in front, maybe, maybe in the battles, but in general, you know, we work for everybody in, in, in the companies, right? People don't, Absolutely. people think about it like, oh, you know, the, the CEO or whatever, look, you know, you, you, you got 72 bosses, right? You got a bunch <laughs> of people that really, you know, you work for them. And if we don't, we don't support them and help them grow, then um, there won't be any organization. That's what it's all about. And so it's, it's a service job, but my hat's off to you for what you guys have been able to accomplish. Yeah, and same to you too. So I know we're kind of on that similar journey and it, it was nice to kind of be aligned with somebody who shares the same principles that we could always bounce off ideas because I always, you know, it's very important, I think, to have accountability partners and create those masterminds and those alliances with people kind of on a similar path as you, you know, because it's, 
I mean, to this day, that is you know, one of the more, most valuable things that, that uh, I ever did was to spend time with you and, and Jay and, uh, and Doug. I mean, we were a real tight mastermind. Um, masterminds can get a little uh, out of control when you get too many people, but when you get the right people in the room, and it's funny, I was just talking to um, another uh, mega producing team leader this week. And he said, uh, you know, we don't really need these, these events. He's like, we just need to get in the same room and talk. Yeah. He's like, and if we did that, like we would accomplish so much more than maybe whatever this, you know, this workshop was about. And, um, you know, but it's hard to find great people. It's hard to find great people that want to connect and click and can commit the time uh, because it is a commitment. But um, I think that's, that's, uh, those are transformational conversations when you get the right people and really grateful that we found each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the best things, I mean, it's great to go to these events and, you know, you know, they got great speakers out and you're getting to hear everybody's testimonial and it's real inspirational and all that jazz. But the thing that I found the most value in is like when I'd visit offices and then I get to spend a day at your office, I get the visual of how everything's working, kind of talk to your personnel, um, kind of see what you've been describing, but get the visual for it. And me and you went to visit Jay when we did that podcast over there in Louisville and kind of going to his office and spending some time with you. And I, I think that's something that a lot of people don't value is kind of those office visits and really, you know, kind of going to not only see how somebody else is running their business and see so that way you can kind of improve on yours, but also then just where you have that dedicated alone time where, you know, Louisville, me, you and Jay got to spend the day together and we're just bouncing ideas nonstop. I think that was very valuable rather than if you're at like a, a seminar or whatever it might be, you know, it's go, 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 go. You don't really have time to have those intimate conversations. Yeah, I don't, I don't do them the same way anymore. I used to, you know, just sit there for eight hours a day. Now I split it up and I break it out a little bit. Um, used to leave with three pages of action items. And now I'm like, I, I leave with three or five. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as one of, one of my mentors said, he's like, if you don't have a day after the event, don't even go. Because otherwise, you're going to go right back in the whirlwind. You're not going to be able to pull anything out of it. Yeah. So I think those masterminds are important, and, and certainly events do change change lives because it's a chance to get in the hive mind and to, to see other people and to see what's possible. Um, but you, you you highlighted something that's really important. You know, if uh, if you're thinking, I mean, if you are a team or you're uh, you want to learn more about somebody's business, go spend a day with somebody. Uh -huh. um, Pat and years ago, uh, uh, Pat Hyben was a very early one of the first. Um, first high producing teams in the industry um, uh, moved all of, moved his income into uh, cash flow uh, properties and uh, and then just you know became a personality um, and he shared you know in his rise that he had this theory about the, uh, the little the barrel of monkeys right the little the, the barrel of red monkeys um, and he said you know every time he reached up he always found someone uh, you know a, a monkey so to speak who would reach back down he said, he said and it was interesting. He said every time he got to the next level, he would just ask somebody for help. And um, he said it was after he got to that, the, the top, you know, he got to the barrel. He said it was very rare that anyone ever asked him to help. And he said, I would have helped anybody who had asked me. And so, you know, if you, you know, when you're in the same market, that's there's a little different conversation. Uh -huh. But but most most of us, especially people who've been through a lot, want to see other people grow. And um, it's okay to ask somebody, hey, can I come by and just, you know, and, 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 and tour your office with you or spend your day? I had someone from the 5 a.m. club came out. She shouted me for the day. And, um, you know, and we had had some great experiences. I'm sure she took some different things and was like, I, this is not what I expected. This is pretty, you know, this is, 
I would say amazing, but she was, um, you know, it was an experience that she took that she saw a different way of doing it, you know, and I'm okay. sure if we went out to California and, and, you know, followed Tim Smith around, we'd go, oh yeah, I, I got something here. Um, uh, and people are just always willing to help. So I think there's a couple of key points there, which is, you know, masterminds um, are wonderful if you do them, commit to them. Uh, and um, it's important to, you know, to ask for help. And then at the same time, you know, it's, it's really, really powerful to go see how an operation runs. You know, I think about going to Zillow. I think about going to uh, Zappos, uh, you know, and, you know, and, and, and then you're just like, wow, okay. You know what, you know, Zappos is like, there's no rules. Like people make their own schedules. They wear, you know, they, they, they wear crazy, uh, crazy clothes. They cut your tie off when you walk in the door, if you're overdressed, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that is a culture and you're like, oh, okay, you can, you can do it differently. So I think the exposure to that is, is really important to, to growth as a, um, as a business leader, to, to be reminded of what's possible and then to affirm what's important to you and how you're going to do it. Because I'm not a casual guy. I'm, we're not, you know, I'm not, I'm not flip-flops and, and shorts at the office. Like that's just not how we operate. Mm -hmm. There are places that operate like that, right. That are very, very cool, relaxed. And I, I applaud that. That's not who I am. But um, sometimes you say, Oh man, maybe we need to loosen up a little bit, or maybe you're like, you know what, that's cool for them, but this is how we do it. I think when you see other things, it, it gives you the clarity on, on how you want to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And just getting that transparency and, uh, you know, people can tell you things, but I think it's just getting that visibility to really see it and then be like, okay, now it makes sense. I thought I understood it, but now I truly understand it. And to kind of see all the wheels in motion, just remember walking by your office and seeing how everything was set up. I had people positioned. I mean, there was great value in that because it then gave me an idea of, okay, I've been struggling with some things here. That's how you worked out. It seems to be working for you. So why don't I just take that blueprint home with me and implement that. So oh, it speeds up. You learned something from me. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I, so I thought it, I was getting all the gold. <laughs> <laughs> so in, um, in closing, Dustin, I know for, so you have real estate, mortgage, insurance, soon to be title. I don't want to butcher all the areas you're working in, but why don't you let us know for the audience, anybody who's looking for mortgage title, real estate or insurance needs, the markets that you cover and then the contact information where they can reach you. Oh, you're awesome, man. Uh, easy to follow, you know, at Dustin Oldfather on Instagram seems to be clean for everybody. Uh, you can also see us at theoldfathergroup.com. Uh, we uh, service uh, coast, uh, Delaware and Maryland beaches, as well as the state of Delaware, um, and then the Eastern shore of Maryland and then Pennsylvania. And so as a mortgage company, we're also licensed uh, in Delaware, Maryland and Pennsylvania um, for insurance as well. Uh, the title company will, will probably about a month out there. Um, and then we will add a financial services suite. So what we found and what we continue to see from our clients and the feedback that they give us and the reviews that they give us is that um, having the suite of services all together, um, you know, mortgage, title, insurance, having all of these things together is a convenience. We talked about the consumer experience, right? Um, and, how, and how, how do you give them a better experience? You, you, you make everything real sticky and tight and, and efficient and work together. And so uh, that's been our model and it's, it's worked for us. Um, that's uh, how we feel like we bring the most value to our clients. Um, so grateful for, uh, for, the, for the invitation, Joe, and, and really appreciate the time. Yeah, no, I appreciate having you. It was a great episode. And then I think in closing, like I know me and you discussed a long time ago, you always see like all these doctors, right, coming together and then they're coming together in what I consider a medical center. But one thing mm -hmm. we never saw was a business center, right? Like, hey, you need an accountant. Eventually, I'm sure maybe 
you don't get in your own accounting firm, but you might have one in there with the financial services. So everybody can just bounce around and get what they need. Kind of like the doctors, if you know you need to go see a different specialist, you can just go right down the hallway, set up that appointment rather than kind of going outside the facility. And people definitely do value that convenience. And then, you know, if they trust you and everybody's sharing that same vision, you know, that core alliance where it makes it a lot easier for them. So, well, I appreciate it, Dustin. Thank you for your time. And it was great having you on this week's episode.